0: The Lost Art of Communication, hosted by Molly and Trisha. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lost Art of Communication podcast. We have an extra special guest with us today. Andrea Ramos is someone that Molly and I were both friends with in college, but she and Molly actually have a longer history of friendship, someone who, over time, we've both Molly and I have kind of lost touch with it happens we've talked a lot about friendships and how in different phases of our life it's easier to keep in touch with certain people but we are so proud of the things that we see Andrea doing on her Instagram and with her business that we wanted to invite her to the show and we're really excited to have her here to talk about her business which we will let her describe But before we get into that fun fact, something we thought would be interesting for you all to know is that when Molly and I met our friend here, (laughs) (laughs) we knew her as Andrea. And in the, the time since we have been friends, in our time since college... She now goes by Andrea. So do you want to describe a little bit more about that process? And first off, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... um when we met, that was the way that I chose my name to be pronounced. And I think it was, um, so I'm Peruvian. I moved, my parents moved to the U S when I was five years old and, um, I kind of just started school and everyone called me Andrea. And I was like, Oh, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Like, that's how you pronounce my name in English. So I kind of just rolled with it. Um, I never questioned. I just kind of was like, it is what it is. And, um, I realized, like, around, like, middle school that there was, like, different ways to pronounce it. But at that point, like, I, like, that's what people called me. So I was like, that's just kind of, like, you can't change your name, right? (laughs) So um, I just kind of kept going with that. And then it wasn't until college where I started getting involved with, like, the Hispanic Student Association. I joined a sorority. There was, like, a lot of Hispanic women in there. And they just naturally called me Andrea and in English, Andrea. And so... Um, I realized, like, oh, wow, I actually really like the way that that sounds better, but I didn't, like, it was such a weird tension. So I was like, I don't, what do I do? Like, tell all the people that know me as Andrea to, like, now change the way they pronounce it, that no one does that. (laughs) So I just kind of was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm not going to correct people when they call me Andrea because I really like how it sounds, but I'm also not going to, like, change how other people have met me and how that name was okay at the time like how it was pronounced and I embraced that and that's okay um so yeah that was kind of like the story behind it and so now I kind of just uh I introduce myself as Andrea, but I also have really close friends who know me as Andrea and that's okay too, because that's just like, that was how I chose to pronounce it at the time, but then as evolved to this, so that's my like name pronunciation
2: story. I think it's really important to share though, because I'm sure that feeling is, has happened to a lot of other people and that same idea of like, I can't change my name. That's that's so silly. But obviously, if it made you feel better, then that was something that you advocated for yourself. And now you're putting yourself in that vulnerable place to share that with people. And it's making you feel better. So I think it's great. I actually read an article recently about a man named
0: Gerardo. And everyone in school called him Jerry because Gerardo was too difficult. And he was just like, that's not even close. (laughs) But he was in kindergarten. Anyway, I'll try to find the link and we can post it and send it to you. But I just wanted to throw that out there for our listeners so that if Molly and I refer to her as Andrea, we have permission because that's when we knew her. I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying that's <laughs> why go back and forth with the name. But definitely respect your decision and uh, heritage and wanting to be known as Andrea because that's part of who you are and that's beautiful. Okay. So now can you tell us a little bit about your business? What are you doing these days?
1: Yeah. So about a year ago, um, I officially announced in my Instagram that I am going to Per, like exclusively talk about personal finance. Um so I started uh what is now building Gen wealth. And um yeah, so that's been like a year ago, but prior to that I ho- had always been interested in personal finances and just kind of like how people manage their money, what can you do with money like and it always seemed so uh bizarre that like I was like learning this on my own, no one really taught me it. Um, my parents would talk about money sometimes, but not in a very formal way. Like, okay, these are your bills. Here's how you can allocate your finances. Here's like a system to like have it all run smoothly. Um, And it just seemed so, yeah, bizarre. Like, why? This is so relevant as I'm learning to adult. Like, why has no one like taught me this? Like, why is I have to like look it up? Um, And there's nothing wrong with like seeking, you know, to learn things on your own. But it just kind of felt like, wow, this is kind of like a big hole. Um, You know, like I, why wasn't this taught? So. Um, having that just kind of like after college being really, um, intentional about like managing my money and understanding like, Oh, this system works for me this way. And like, Oh, this is how I spend. And like, Oh, these things make me happy. Or like, Oh, you know, just like really understanding my money habits, um, my spending habits and like even the belief behind that, um, helped me really, um, just get organized and feel confident. And, um, I just kept learning little by little and then it wasn't until last year where I was like, okay, I I feel like I wanna like talk to more people about it. But um and I would and I would with friends if they like wanted to or were open or asked me questions, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, you wanna learn about money? Let's let's sit down and talk. Um, so then I was like, let me just use my Instagram platform to start sharing with people and start being more intentional and like, Hey, did you guys know about this? Did you know about this? Did you you know? And just hearing, I know for me, hearing people talk about their finances really helped me build my own system that I felt really good and confident about. So that was over a year ago. Uh, since then, um, has just been like, you know, uh, giving a lot of content there. And as of this year officially started like taking on clients and helping people really like intentionally build the system that they want for their finances and feel really good about money and not necessarily, um, negative. I feel like a lot of times money brings a lot of like, just not good feelings like anxiety and worry and stress. And, um, I don't know. I just kind of have like a passion for like, how can we make the person managing the money feel empowered where it doesn't have to be scary, but they can just like really take ownership of their role of I can, I can do this well and I feel confident and I'm I'm the one telling where, where my money is going and uh, it doesn't have like a power over me, but I so more, more so have a power over it. So that's kind of how that all started. Um, and then it kind of has evolved. It's had a couple of different name changes along the way. Um and we I landed on building gen wealth just because, um, when I think about like money on a like systematic level, there is a very big wealth gap. And so I think that for me, and my voice and my platform, like I really want to speak specifically uh, to women of color just because I feel like, there's not very many places where we find like a place where it's like feels very home. Um, And so I just wanted to be really intentional about creating that space for them and really like empowering them to, to really step up and like own their finances. And that's not to say that I don't welcome all women. Like obviously like, it's kind of like everyone's welcome, but here we're going to really be for and celebrate like women of color. And like, it's kind of like women in color and allies, like, let's do it. Let's, close the wealth gap and let's start being intentional about like setting up our finances and building generational wealth. So
2: okay. I love that so much. And so my whole brain, when we were talking about this, so Andrea, you and I went to high school and we went to high school and grew up cause since five, right. You lived in Naples, Florida. Uh,
1: we moved to Illinois when I was five. And then from there around fifth grade, I moved to, um, Florida. Yeah.
2: Okay, that's where I got the five. I was like, the five was somewhere. Um, so, speaking of Naples, it is a very, uh, in my opinion, rich white city. Yeah, <laughs> and so I always, I am white, and I grew up there. And even me, like, I wasn't in the like upper class part of Naples, but. I always had this weird relationship thinking about money, even just growing up, because I was like, oh, the people with money, like, I don't like them. Like they just got money, da-da-da-da-da. And it and it made me set up for my brain thinking that money is bad. I don't like talking about money. Like the people with money are bad people. And that just set me to grow up in a way that like. I didn't want to have a lot of money. And Trish and I recently started talking about money and having this abundance mindset of like money isn't bad. And so could you go into, I guess, that abundance mindset and debunking the idea in your brain that money is bad? Yeah. Yes. I
0: want to ask just based on what Molly said, what were you, was your relationship with money in high school or for example, when you lived in Naples?
1: Um, I think for in high school, I was very aware of, um, the, 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 the like bubble that is Naples of like, this is a very well off, um, city with a lot of really rich people. And I'm not my family, like we're just not there. So I was very aware of that. No one ever taught me that, but I just like, even in school would see like, Oh, okay.
2: You guys are wealthy. (laughs) Um, and they, you could definitely tell like in our high school, there was the cars that were really nice. And then like, it was just very put on display for sure. Yes,
1: Mm -hmm. So it does make you, and I think that's very interesting. Like your interpretation and my interpretation is different, but it's still like, that was how we perceived the idea of money and so for me it was more so like okay um there's a divide here and I don't necessarily like I don't know if I like could put an emotion to it but it I f- definitely felt felt very strange and weird I also because I like I think I, I think my interpretation was like oh that's not me I'm like on the outside and so to me that meant like okay so how can I like how can I not feel so on the outside? Like what? Like how can I um, set up my finances? Or, or I wasn't really thinking about this at the time, but it, like this is kind of how it evolved later. Like how can I be diligent about figuring out how money works? Mostly out of curiosity, because I feel like even when I found out, like oh, there's a divide here, I was more so like why? Like oh, is this how? Like I just kind of have a very curious perspective. So I think that is what allowed me to like want to learn, um, and drove me kind of down that, um, path. But I think something that's really good that I think everybody should do is just to like, even understand your own perception of what you believe about money is think through like your first, um, money memory, as I think this is a really great, um, just exercise to do is like, okay, when you were first introduced to money, like what was that memory? Was it positive? Was it neutral? Was it negative? And then think of your next one. And like, so think of three as a very young kid. Cause what ends up happening is we pick up a lot of the things, um, that we believe about money about in from in, our environment and from our parents. Right. No one actually like sits down and teaches us like, this is how I view money. So this is how you should, you just kind of catch the comments. They say how they react. Um, what, like what your social, like your environment looks like. And that ends up shaping what you end up believing. And so I think, um, a really great exercise for people to do is just like really unpack that. Like, Oh, what was that interpretation? Why did I feel that way? How does that, how do I feel like that's affected? Kind of like what you just shared my beliefs now. So yeah, I think that's,
0: yeah, I think that's huge because if you don't have that awareness, then maybe you're going to have these subconscious beliefs. Like Molly was like, oh, money is bad. And that's going to limit your ability to make a certain amount of money. And there's all these associations with money being evil and things like that. But I loved what you had said before of just getting comfortable talking about it too. And so when I, even though I have now cultivated more of an abundance mindset where it's like money is not bad. It's okay to make money. It doesn't make you an evil person. Still. Sometimes my parents will try to give me advice. and like, Oh, and you can invest in this and do that to pay off your loans and blah, blah, blah. And I just get so stressed. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And I just ignore it and hope it'll go away. And so I love that there are people like you that are also Like you're a millennial and you're doing this work. I feel like when I think of a financial advisor, it just seems so far off because like, oh, that's an older person who's going to tell me to do all these things. But you're like, no, here I am. I understand what you're going through. I understand where you are personally in your life. And here's why it's important to not shove it under the rug. And we talk so much on this show about talking about your problems and in relationships and communication. So I th- I'm just curious what you have found to be helpful to uh, help people feel more comfortable just talking about money and not immediately going into that anxious space and saying, Oh, I'm just going to ignore it. And my loans will go away one day. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that, um, my approach is just to like really own where you're at in your money journey and give yourself grace. Like, obviously if like you're having a, um, a reaction that isn't necessarily like the most whatever, um, just give yourself grace to like oh this is where I'm at right now like I wonder why like why does this overwhelm me um what about like and really start pinpointing and asking yourself the questions so you can truly start to understand cuz once you have awareness it's easier for your brain to like process like oh that's why as opposed to now just like it almost kind of being like this unknown scary thing that you don't even like you don't know why it's scary you don't know like what about it like intimidates you. It just is like, it's scary. I don't, I don't even want to look at it. But a lot of the times what happens is once you start really becoming aware and unpacking that, it almost kind of like doesn't feel as scary anymore. But that bridge is the thing that like a lot of people avoid because it is so like, uh, uh, I just, uh. and I think that that's just like a very human thing to do. So it's not like you specifically, it's like human psychology in our brains. Right. And so I think for me, what has been really helpful is almost separating those two. Like if my brain ever kind of goes into a little bit of like a spiraling and like worry or anxiety, I like will separate my me from my brain. So I'll be like, okay, brain, like you seem really, really stressed out right now. Like I want, like why, like why and start unpacking that. And if it ends up being like almost this, like not irrational, but kind of like a, almost like your lizard brain taking over. You kind of, I like, will have a conversation. It sounds weird, but this has been so helpful. have a conversation with my brain and be like, Hey brain, like, I know you're trying to keep me safe because this feels so scary. Um, but if we we are going to be okay, like we're just going to take this one step and that's what we'll be. That's where where we'll be in our money journey. And, um, that's going to be good. And we're going to celebrate that. And then next week we'll take another step. So I think that, um, having those moments, it, giving yourself grace for having those moments, but then taking a minute, um, to reflect on why that happened, what about it made you, um, overwhelmed? Was it something specific they said that like kind of triggered that? Um, and then just kind of like walking yourself through that, I think is been the most helpful for me. And then just even like having, you know, people implement that as well.
0: I love that strategy. And it's so important that we disconnect from those emotions and just say, okay, here's my logical side taking over. I'm curious, what if someone's listening to this thinking, money's not that important to me. It's okay. Like, I have enough to get by. It's, I'm, not stra- I'm not strapped for cash right now. I'm doing fine, but it's very unaware of savings and investing and their future with money. Why is it worth it? to do that work because that's hard work communicating against your lizard brain and working in spite of that anxiety. That is really, really tough stuff. So why if someone's like, well, money's not a huge deal to me. Why is it worth it to educate ourselves on our financial situation?
1: Yeah. I think that's, um, like really great that you brought up. Cause I think rooted in everything that you decide to do has to come like a very strong, like decision and why, and if you don't, and un, unfortunately, our brains really work. Some like our brain's job is to keep us safe, right? So that's our primary thing. That's our primary focus. And a lot of times, we have to be in enough pain to decide I need to I need to do something about it. Um, or we can be really pulled towards a really profound why and reason to like move towards. Um, however, what ends up happening is if somebody is in a state of like, uh, I don't want to do it or like, I mean, I'm I'm okay. And I get by, um, there's like, there's two routes of motivation there. One, you get to a point where you're like, oh, something happened. And now I'm like afraid and I need to like run the other direction, which I'm like, Uh, let's not wait to get there right let's like proactively uh like just you you don't have to like wait until that moment unfortunately that sometimes is like that's what needs to happen for some people to take action the other route and the route that I like I'm like wanting to communicate like hey like um choose this route is um really find something or like a purpose behind what why you're deciding to there. So why you should move in this direction. And a lot of it, a lot of times it's not going to be something that right now is, um, what you're working for, but like something in the future. So for example, um, if someone's like, Oh, I'm, I'm getting by now and I'm good now. A lot of the times it's like, okay, let's zoom out five years. What in the next five years, what financial, um, decisions will you be stepping into? How can you better prepare yourself? Like how can present Trisha really set up future Trisha? And that's like almost like a an act of like self-care, right? Because you're like being intentional, not just with like right now, but like really thinking through how can I like really serve that season of my life that's not here yet, but will be. Um, so I think like really finding a deep rooted why, and then not just thinking about like, I'm okay now, but like, how can I, use this season to prepare what's coming, um, can also really help. But I think it does come from like having a really strong purpose and decision to, to do that. And again, those it's one or two routes that you'll take.
2: <laughs> I love that you brought up self-care. We actually just talked about this the other week, how a lot of people are like, Oh, bubble baths are self-care mm-hmm. and which they can be, what? but like <laughs> thinking in a bigger picture, like you said, zooming out really thinking about finances is self-care because it helps you care for yourself. So I think that's really important to focus on because yes, like we've talked about, this is super scary. This is super super faux pas to talk about so openly, but making it not and talking about it more openly will benefit you in the future. Yes.
1: And so even you saying that, another big, and this is kind of like what I want to just even create or like start this like message or movement is like you stepping into uh feeling confident, uh talking about finances, managing your finances, like you will pass down that to your children. And your children will pass down to their children. And so now we are gonna stop almost like a generation of we don't talk about this. And you're gonna shift like no, like in our household we have a healthy relationship with money. We don't let it affect us, you know, like we we're just gonna be in control and we're gonna talk about it openly and so that's going to continue to like you know be passed down and I think for me like tapping into that as somebody who's like okay now but like isn't you know um really thinking about that I think would be just very helpful for um grabbing into grabbing onto like
2: a, a bigger purpose it could uh, be like building gen wealth <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know then how do you think a person's relationship with money affects or do you think it can affect their relationships with other people?
1: Yeah. Um, I think it like, it depends on the person specifically, but there's like a lot of different ways in which, um, it, it can, um, come out. I think a lot of the things that I hear is, um, feeling like, uh, I have to, Like a lot of situations for clients have been, I feel obligated to participate in a social setting, even though like, I know I really financially, it would be wiser if I just sat this one out. So that tension of like, uh, I don't want to like miss out, but I also like, feel like I, I almost like need to, um, that comes out because if you had a healthy relationship with money and you like understood like, Hey, like I can choose to do whatever. I just can't choose to do everything. Like I can get whatever I want, but I can't get everything I want. And like really have those like, um, priorities set up and, and know like, my, my decision to like not go out or like not eat out this time, um, isn't a reflection of like my worth because I don't have enough money to do it or whatever the story you might be telling yourself is, um, that those two kind of like perpetuate each other, like, because you'll go out and then you'll feel guilty and then you'll be like, Oh, well, I was not good at managing money. Oh, whatever. Uh, and then it just kind of like goes on and on.
0: So that's one way So um, I'm point you there to ask what would you what advice would you give someone who's in that situation? How do we communicate that to our friends without feeling bad about ourselves? Say, I can't really afford that right now. Do you have a way that you recommend people communicate those boundaries? Yeah, I
1: think even like saying the word afford almost has like a negative connotation because it feels like you don't have enough, right? And if you feel like you don't have enough, you're just naturally gonna feel like Mm, like, or like, you know, I just going to create all these negative feelings. Um, so I think that when you are sitting down with your money and looking at your budget and deciding like, that's a really great uh, place to be in cause you're in control and you feel empowered and you're like, here's what I'm deciding I'm going to do. And here are the priorities. Um, and so when you're in that situation and you, you're realizing like, Oh, it's, you know, it's not going to be a wise financial decision to go out this time. uh really tap into like what you, what you are saying yes to, or what you are prioritizing, because then that's going to not make you feel like I'm not getting anything or I'm missing out. It's saying it's going to put you back in a position of, empowerment where it's like I'm saying no to this because I'm saying yes to this and I can get behind this yes because this yes is going to xyz and just like set me up um and so I think it really is reframing like from what I'm not having to like what I am choosing Mm -hmm. um and it's going to be hard because like you know any learning any habit or like practicing any skill at first is going to feel challenging so like also like let yourself like be okay with like you know, having those emotions and like, like you're not, uh, yeah, it's not like abnormal. Like it's okay if you feel that, but also just reminding yourself, like, this is what you're saying yes to. And this is what ultimately is going to set you up.
2: It's really helpful because so I live in California right now. It is exorbitantly expensive here. Trisha's lived in New York city, which is also what the number one, like most expensive place to live. Mm -hmm. they're very expensive places to live. So there's definitely a big divide. And I know I've been in those situations and Trish has talked about those situations where you're in and everyone's like, let's go out to this really nice place or let's do this thing that costs a lot of money. And my priorities just don't sit there at that moment. And I really like how you said thinking about what are you going to get instead if you don't do those things Because then I'm assuming when you communicate it, you're more confident about it. And so starting from the inside, self-awareness and putting yourself first is going to dictate how you communicate it. So I would say maybe like an example of saying instead of I can't afford it, maybe you would say I'm going to stay home tonight. I'll join you another time. Like just would you advise like just not stating the money part? Like what is a phrase you would say? Oh, gotcha. Oh, so like even
1: how you would communicate, that, yeah, I think that depends on like your where you're at right now. So I think like, yeah, I think it would depend how comfortable you are because you wanna say things that you feel confident confident, comfortable and authentic. So one month could be like, "Oh, I can't um, make it tonight, but I de- definitely want to hang out with you guys if you're doing anything later let me know. So then you're mm. like, saying, Hey, I can't do this, but I can do that, which is also like you deciding. Um, but another way, like if you want to specifically like, say like to talk about money, um, it could be, um, so right now I'm really focusing on this, uh, money goal and I'm really excited to work towards it. So I won't be able to join you, but I could insert, second option. So almost like reframing it, like, Hey, I'm really excited about this. You're my friend, like be, be for me. Um, so I can't do this, but I can do that. I know that I think that that's like, as if I got that as a friend, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, great. Like, yeah. And and now I'm going to be conscious of like, my friends working towards this. Like, how can I be a great friend and like help support them? Even if I like, it's my, if I really value or I'm prioritizing, like, enjoying this experience, um, And that to me, like I can kind of separate like this is what I'm doing, and this is what like this person's doing. Does that
0: make sense? Yeah, I love that building in a support system too, because since money is such a taboo topic, the more comfortable you get sharing about it, not necessarily coming from a place of lack of oh, I can't go to that restaurant because you know I'm broke right now, but instead, (laughs) hey, I'm working towards this money goal. Can and I asking for that support is a wonderful way to bring people together, but also let your friends empathize with where you're coming from. Something that I've used in the past too is if my friends are going to a really fancy restaurant, I'll say something like, okay, I'm going to eat beforehand, but I'll come get a drink just to hang out. Or I probably won't order anything, but I'm happy to hang out. That way they know not to have those expectations. Or like you said, I'll meet you out after, but skip dinner because You don't because I didn't want to, but not necessarily having to go into detail with that. The one thing that keeps coming up with your responses is this tendency that we have as humans, I feel, in our society to link our self-worth with the amount of money that we have. And that is huge, and I'm sure something you work on a lot, and you've mentioned some strategies to do that, really unpack your money story. But is there any advice you give or any exercises you suggest people do to really start to disassociate their sense of self-worth with the amount of money that they have and can spend?
1: Yeah. I think that, um, I, for me, the biggest, um, just kind of acknowledging why that happens. Right. So we live in a society where that really is the message. Like, if you are rich, you are successful. If you're successful, you're going to have more XYZ and that just for whatever reason is going to make you a better human, more, more worthy human, which is like kind of calling out the lie. Like that's not true. Like I know that that's what society thinks. And I know that that's the environment I grew up in. Um, but my worth has nothing to do with the money that I have. Right. And almost like zoom out. Sometimes I'm like, think about like all the people in the world. like there's people that are in countries that are not necessarily, like, you know, they're some of the poorest countries. Their life is just as worthy and matters just as most, just as much as yours. So almost just thinking about it, like from that perspective and like acknowledging, like this is like a lie and this is kind of what's fed into us as a society. And that's not something I choose to believe or I'm going to choose to believe. Um, now the process of the work of actually like deep down, really grabbing hold of that and believing is going to take work. And I think that that's just kind of like, again, like you working through your money story, your money journey of understanding, like I'm going to have to unlearn a lot of things that I've just picked up. I'm going to have to be really conscious of like, why that makes me feel that way. Why do I believe that? And like, like replacing those thoughts with the the truth. Um, I think for me, um, I come from like a faith background. So like acknowledging like my purpose here um is much greater than like earning a lot of money, right? Which I feel like is what is communicated. Like your purpose is to earn, be successful. Um so whatever your whatever people can tap into as their bigger purpose, um, I think really aligns things and um and just be conscious this is this isn't this isn't like something you're going to do once and then you're set. (laughs) Right. Cause the more that you, um, you earn and the more that like you advance in your career, you're going to be faced with more like, Oh, well now I'm making this much money like that. Like it's going to feel good, but also like being very aware of like, okay, like my response is, is not abnormal because this is the environment that I grew up in. But the truth is, This is why I'm worthy. This is my purpose here. And this is like what ultimately is going to, um, fulfill me and satisfy me, not this amount of money that I have, or that's to my name. Um, so I think for me, that's just kind of like how I like to view it. And I also really like to teach my clients that money is neutral. So it doesn't have this like, It's not inherently good or bad. It's neutral. The power comes from the person who manages it. So just like understanding like your power and authority as the manager of money is much greater than like the money itself, right? Because I could give somebody... $10,000 and I can give another person $10,000 and like the impact and what they do is going to fully rely on like the person, the the tool is neutral. Um, so like even understanding that, like that is how, um, how it can be, will kind of almost like take it off this pedestal that I feel like we put it on and just kind of be like, no, this is one of the tools I can use to, Live my life or like steward my life well. So
0: I like that you mentioned it's neutral too, because I feel like it's easy to go from one extreme to the other. If you say, Well, I come from a faith based background, therefore, my worth is not in money, therefore, I don't need money, therefore, money is evil, and therefore, then you live without money. But it's important to recognize that money is a tool. And so I love the way that you just frame that in terms of neutrality, because it is important to strike that balance between knowing that your worth is not tied in money, but we also need money to function in society. And if yeah. we want things from life, we have to be okay with that.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I think that's a big, that's a big topic that could be like another whole conversation that's like the tension of faith and money and feeling like there's also a story there. like, I feel like there's money stories in every sub, culture. Um, and just being aware of that, like, Oh, okay, here's a story that I was told here. And is it the most accurate? Is it what is actually true? Or how am I, what is the true healthy relationship with money? I'm supposed to like live in and walk through. So yeah.
2: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many more questions, but I do want to end on one question that I had. So you said that your business is Creating a safe place, I'm going to bring it back to the beginning, a safe place for women and women of color specifically. Can you tell me why that is something you chose?
1: Um, I think it's because I was so tired of thinking of like finances and Wall Street as like white men in suits who earn a lot of money in the stock market. I feel like that's just kind of like the picture.
2: Um, that's what my brain pictures for sure. <laughs>
1: And I was like, what the heck? Why is that? That's not true. Like wealth is not exclusively reserved for that specific character. Um, And so I just got really passionate about like women have so much um, impact that they can make on their families and um, so much, um, just so much they can do if they really step into this role, confidently feeling empowered. And, and so it made me just really yeah, feel passionate about like, how can I, if you can impact a woman's a woman's relationship with money, that's gonna in turn, um, uh, like affect a household, which will then turn affect children, which will, you know, continue, uh, from there. So I think that it was the idea that, I want to change what wealth can mean and it doesn't have to be this negative thing. Um, it can mean very different things to different people, right? So depending on where you're at or where your family's at, like sometimes like building gen wealth can be, okay, we're going to like learn how to allocate our finances and budget and feel really comfortable managing our money for other people. It could be, okay, I'm going to invest in a rental property. So it's just going to look different. But I think that like, really, um, help helping women just feels like if you can help one woman, you can follow the family and the children and like the people that come after that. So I think that's where that comes from.
2: Okay. I lied. I had one more question (laughs) because you tied into it so perfectly. I was trying to decide which one do I ask? So speaking of children, you said this before you have to talk to, or like our knowledge of money and our mindset about money comes from when we were young. So what is one thing you would suggest when talking to kids or if our listeners have kids, how would you suggest framing money towards children?
1: That's a great question. Um, I haven't super thought about this just because I haven't, you know, I'm not really in that stage. But I think my perspective now would just be like having an open dialogue um, with my kids and also like um, talking to them about like, here's how we are generous. Here's how like, here's um, here's what money is, like what money looks like. Um, I think from an early age, I just want to like be very open about talking about it. And then like the moments that I think will naturally happen in a household where, whether it's like it's a tight month or like something happens. Um, like I feel like for me, I'm like, I want to be very open about like, here's what happened and here's why this could potentially be stressful. And like really just unpack that. Obviously it depends like how old (laughs) my, my child is. Um, but I want to just have that open communication with them and then ultimately end on like, but we're going to be okay. Like, everything's going to be okay. Money is just like um, comes in and comes out every month. That's pr- that's normal. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It just is. Um, and ultimately, like as a family, like you will, we will always be okay. Um, and also teaching. Yeah, I have a lot of ideas of like what I'm going to teach my children. <laughs> Guys telling my boyfriend, which are pretty serious at this point, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to like give my kids allowance and then tax them. But then uh, I'm going to like <laughs> – um, show them like that, that's how like taxes work and kind of almost make a game out of it. And then be like, but if they want to like put it in a tax, uh, sheltered account, like they could wait a year and get a tax fee or something like silly like that. So, um, so yeah, I think it just kind of like, like having those conversations, ending them on neutrality or positivity and like really explaining like, um, here's why it's stressful right now, but that's normal, and here's how we're gonna be okay that way like there's always like a closure to a money story as opposed to like just catching something and then being like that was bad, but I don't really fully know what happened. I just know like this is how you're reacting. does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a really good way to think about it too and again just puts forth the idea that we have to start talking about it early and putting it all out there we we have to start talking about money so I think just being aware of what you're
0: saying so that you're not flippantly like making comments of money doesn't grow on trees and stuff like that that makes people afraid or children afraid to, or have these negative associations with money, making sure you as parent aren't comparing yourself to people with money. Like, oh, look at that car. It's so nice. I wish I could afford that and things like that. Yeah. But I think the first step is just awareness. So, so many amazing things that you shared with us today. We always like to end each episode with one Takeaway. So if there's one tangible action item, in addition to the tips that you've already mentioned, you can use one of those or say something we haven't discussed yet. If there's one thing that you feel people could start doing right now to improve either their relationship with money or their ability to communicate around money, what would that step be?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing that I would recommend is to set aside 30 minutes to an hour each week and sit down with your finances, like have like a, okay, I'm going to do this for six weeks and then we'll reflect on the experience. But just being aware of what you're feeling and what's going on with your money is going to be huge for awareness. Right. So, um, even if like the first time it's like, 10 minutes in and I got just got really overwhelmed like okay that was the first try that was 10 minutes now we have a week to unpack like why that happened and where we're at and like maybe the next time it's like okay now I like sat down and got a little bit further like I think that just the practice of sitting down and really pressing into those feelings and emotions and seeing the numbers and coming to that place with a neutrality of like almost a curiosity of like let's just see what's going on here and like shame is not invited (laughs) guilt is not invited. it's just you neutrality money and like you stepping into you know your role as like a empowered person um I think would be just like six weeks of doing that would just really create a lot of awareness and um yeah just a lot of good could come from that for people
2: it's a really funny story I bought a finance book like, I think like three years ago, I think it was a free audible download. And I listened to four minutes of it, got stressed out and shut it down. And I haven't listened since. (laughs) So your advice of just sitting down for like 10 to 20 to 30 minutes a week is doable. So thank you for that. I feel like I've tried to do that before. where I was like, okay, I blocked off 30
0: minutes, I'm going to do it. And then I'll start and like, I don't even know where to start. So that's why I would imagine working with someone like Andrea would be incredibly helpful. So where can our listeners find you? Yeah. Um, so you can find me at, um,
1: at building.gen.wealth on Instagram. Um, so that is where I just post a lot of content on just tips and things you can do on a weekly basis. Um, just a lot of money topics. Um, yeah, so that's where you can find me. I currently, We'll be probably launching a program in by the before the end of the year, so if you want extra support accountability, and just kind of like a game plan um that's also coming up but yeah i i I'm just really passionate about like showing people that money doesn't have to be scary, that it can be something you feel really good about and feel really confident managing. Um, so I'm always answering questions. If you have something, you're like, ah, I like Googled this, but honestly, like now I'm Googling the definitions. What does it mean in layman's terms? You can always like ask me. I love talking about it. So you can find me there for sure.
2: And do you offer personal, like one-on-one consulting?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So Great. it depends if you, yeah, like how long a program, I have a 12-week program and then I have like a two-week program intensive and then yeah there's another group program coming up at the end of the year
2: awesome so reach out to andrea she obviously has a this is so funny a wealth of knowledge i did not mean to do that (laughs) she has a wealth of knowledge (laughs) please reach out to her thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate it this is so good thank you